0: Welcome listeners, it is Happy summer. summer. It is officially summertime and we are coming to you just with a brief little intro. These are maybe some of the episodes that you might have missed during the school year, mm-hmm. the busy school year that we wanted you to have a chance to re-listen to. As you know, we're taking a little bit of a break. <laughs> much needed (laughs) taking a little bit
1: of break recording posting new episodes but you know as you listen to these or even otherwise we're still going to be on social media head to our instagram head to our facebook group we're still going to be there so if you have questions want us to answer feel free to dm us if you have suggestions for the fall we will be back with new episodes in august we'll
0: see you soon enjoy Listeners, January had like 55 we days. made it. <laughs> it had, it really did feel long. Like, I think we say this well, every
1: year, but for some reason, this felt so long. Like, New Year's was five months
0: ago. No, it literally had, what did I say? It had like six Tuesdays. Like, that's a lot. Oh, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, five Tuesdays. I was being hyperbolic. But no, it felt so long. We are officially in the second month of 2023. And let me tell you, I just, I feel like 2023 is just punching me in the face. Like, so we've just had (laughs) ridiculous IEP meetings. We've had- Well, I just, I feel like we've had
1: some, like, we always talk about how we hear crazy things in IEPs and we tell parents how we're never surprised, but we're always surprised. Yeah. And like, I mean, you listeners, you, those of you who- Attend IEPs on a regular basis, whether you're a parent or a school staff. Like sometimes you hear crazy things, and you're like, "Wow, never heard that before." But like these last six months, I feel like I was telling a parent yesterday because she was shocked how the things that this team was saying. And I said, "You know, I'm going to give you much comfort, but I'm going to tell you anyway. This is a trend we're seeing. This is something that you're not alone." Like. I, in the last six months, it's been something that like these attorneys for the school district, they have a conference and they get (laughs) together and like someone will have some crazy tactic that they'll use. And then they tell everyone else, guys, this worked. And Mm. it's crazy that this is the world we live in that like, you would think if this was like a TV show, that this was like a high stakes, like corporate world, like Mm. these tactics, That then seem to be like used across the board because we're not alone in seeing them in like one isolated IEP but this is people talking about how we're going to screw over children with disabilities. And so it's not lost on us, the craziness of our world. Um, So today, welcome
0: welcome to our February series where we are going to talk about the ridiculousness, which is this new trend for eligibility. We are going to get through the, like we're going to highlight some of those eligibility categories. We're hopeful to get through all 13, but, today's episode, we wanted to start with what we've been seeing personally in our cases. And then we'll, we're hopeful to dive in deeper into each of these eligibility categories. So get those questions ready for us. If you have specific questions about a specific eligibility category, like send us Mm -hmm. a DM about it, because Mm -hmm. we're going to
1: go in a little bit deeper into each category. And when we say we're talking about eligibility we're really talking about school districts not finding the child eligible, deciding oh, yeah. that they should not receive an IEP because they feel the child is not eligible, which I don't know why, if to the contrary, why we would ever want to deny a child support, but this is oh, the world well, we're living
0: in. As opposing counsel in my last IEP meeting this last week had said when they were trying to deny this child services or an IEP in general, it was like, we don't give IEPs out to everyone it's we don't do it lightly Uh, and it's like okay and that you know a lot of kids are one to two grade levels below that are wow yeah I'm sorry I don't see every single parent asking for an IEP for their child Yeah, exactly and I I, I was like biting my tongue of like if that's happening they should come to me because that is not okay
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah it was pretty pretty your child should not be two grades below And this bullshit of well COVID happened and it was uncontrollable. I don't care. If your child because of COVID is two grades below, something else going on and you know, you should be getting support. So today we want to kind of summarize like what is eligibility process and what are the things that we're Mm -hmm. seeing? And so, you know, as we always talk about, the start of eligibility should always be an assessment. We should mm-hmm. never have a team mm-hmm. say, we don't think your child is going to be eligible. So we're not going to do assessments. Mm-hmm. You cannot under the law say a child is not eligible unless there's been an assessment. Just yeah. bottom line. Yeah. That's where we have to start.
0: Right. And, you know, it comes every couple of years. I feel like in the early 2000s, like the big thing was response to intervention Techniques, right? Yeah. Like, oh, this is what we give to all kids. That's not anywhere in special education law. That RT, uh, you know, the acronym RTI, um, Response to Intervention. That has to happen first. So, a trend that we've seen with the potential clients that have come through our office and now clients is that you're told, oh, no, you don't want to do special education assessments. They're going to be put in a special day class. One, yep, yep. Like, two, like how do you even know that if you haven't even done the assessments? Is right. Not opinion. to
1: mention that like the law is very clear that there is a continuum of placement options that first of all, we can't even get to what placement a child is going to be in until we've done assessments, determine eligibility, gone through present levels, gone through goals, gone through services. And then we can talk about placement. And mm-hmm. even then, like we said, there is a continuation, but we are seeing yeah. that, that yeah. I had an IEP where I had an attorney. An attorney mm-hmm. that represents the school district that mm-hmm. whose whole sole job is to support education laws and no education laws <laughs> told me in no uncertain terms that if this child received an IEP, she would be removed from her general education environment.
0: Tell me where in the law it says that they mince their words as well, right? And with these RTI, you know, this, well, we have to start with the least restrictive and then move towards the most intensive interventions. One, that language we use once a child has an IEP, right? We talk about the least restrictive environment and then the special day class, and then, you know, we go more restrictive. What we're seeing is this trend of opposing councils using special education language and buzzwords to apply to general education kiddos to try and delay, which they are not supposed yes. to do, or, you know, provide these wait and see approaches. So right. that is a perfect example of, oh, well, they're going to be in a special day class. And it's just like, right. that's not appropriate. You can't say that.
1: <laughs> no, you don't know. No. You don't know. And maybe for that kid, it's appropriate. And this was a kid who there was probably a year's delay between the time the parent first went to the school and said, I'm concerned. And the time when there actually wasn't an uh, an IEP assessment, because what the team kept telling this parent was, if you have an IEP, you're going to a special day class. Just that's what's going to happen. That's just not true. I mean, the amount of kids that we have, I mean, the whole spectrum, the LRE concept is we want to see how much support we can provide in the general education class. And then even before a special day class, also resource specialists. There's a number of related services that can be provided. So just the concept that IEP equals special day class, not true. Mm-hmm. And again, you, you don't know what the program is. And in some cases, a special day class is appropriate. Like we're not saying that, you know, it doesn't equal it. You're not going to get it. Like in many cases, you do get a special day class and sometimes that's appropriate, but that conversation shouldn't even be occurring, that decision making shouldn't occur until we have an assessment. But the other thing that we're seeing a lot, and it goes to what Vicki said about the RTI response to intervention is, you know, we have schools that try to do a lot of things to support a kid before they go to an IEP. And while sometimes this can be considered like, oh, we're really trying to help the kid. We do RTI, Mm -hmm. we do a social group, we give them counseling. Mm -hmm. Some schools are starting to implement general education tutoring because they realize that a lot of kids are behind because of COVID. And so they put in all these things. And in some cases they do an SST They do RTI, SST is Student Success Team Meeting, which again, RTI, SST are not things that are found in the law. They are not things that are required. They are things that school districts made up as a way to delay the IEP process. Most of the time does not work. Some cases too, kids that are higher functioning, kids that are twice exceptional, we are seeing a trend of, we're gonna give you a 504 plan. And so whether you have RTI, SST, 504s, combination of these supports, These schools are giving a whole robust program of support to the child and then they're having the IEP evaluation, not first. And so what we're seeing in these IEP meetings is the team saying, well, what can we put in a 504 plan? What can we put in an SST? Mm. What can we do? Or look at all these things. Look at the improvement that the child has had because of these things. And That's not the appropriate discussion either. (laughs) And this is one of the reasons why we wanted to have this discussion today, because we're seeing so many kids being denied an IEP because the school, or maybe even you have a well-meaning teacher that the teacher is doing a ton of things or the parent is paying for a ton of tutoring after school. And so we're having all these things that are mitigating the damage, mitigating the harm, whatever Mm -hmm. is impacting education. So then by the time the IEP team comes to the table, they go, well, the te- the student is doing okay. Well, there's case law out there that says that if a child is receiving a robust program, a bunch of support, and those mm-hmm. supports would, be, would constitute special education, then it actually proves that the student is eligible, not the other way around. But we're right. seeing these teams right. saying they're doing okay with all of these services. The yeah. question the team is supposed to be having Is out all of this,
0: right?
1: Out all of these supports without counseling, and in some cases without medication, because right, we have teams that are pushing medication and parents jump on that bandwagon. Yeah, without all of these things, child needs special education. Are they eligible? That's the question we should be asked, but we're not because of these delays, because of all these things, whether they're well meaning or not. That is the problem that we're facing, and we're having these school districts and their attorneys saying bullshit things like this like Mm -hmm. one of the other things we're seeing is student doesn't need academic support they don't need specialized academic Mm -hmm. instruction and so Mm -hmm. therefore they're not eligible because in order to be eligible you need to require SAI I don't know where that came from that's not even the question we are supposed to be asking is the student eligible? Like all of these exterior conversations that I think are having being had in these IEP meetings have nothing to do with eligibility and are just red herrings. They're things the school is like throwing
0: at you. Right, exactly, and you don't know what to say, right? I, again, at the IEP meeting I just had, you know, it was oh well, just because they get outside tutoring doesn't qualify them for an IEP. And it's like, yeah, we understand that this is what's happening. She's spending four hours on homework every day. Then parents have a tutor to come in for a couple hours every week. Then she sits down with grandpa. She sits down with mom. You know, that's several hours that we're not really necessarily taking into account. Sure. This is one piece of the puzzle. We're not saying just because she has tutoring, but it, it just was the, you know, anticipating like, oh, well, don't you accommodate some of her homework. Oh, that's a general education intervention. We give that to all kids. I've never had a general education student have their homework accommodated where they get to do half of it. That maybe on one time if something happened, but it's not consistent one and two, they would get an F because they only completed half of their homework.
1: Yeah. Just because you're giving it to everybody else doesn't mean it's not special education because you could have a teacher that is doing a lot to support a student or you have a school where the principal realizes that a lot of kids are struggling. And so we're Mm going to offer tutoring. We're going to offer counseling, but if it's necessary for that individual child in order Mm -hmm. to make meaningful progress, if that support is necessary, and if it needs to be individualized, which most of the time it does, then it's not a general education support. And so, you know, when I look at the things that a lot of times are given in 504s or SSTs. Like I get 504s a lot of times That and the, the one I'm talking about literally has individual counseling. It has a group social skills group where mm-hmm. they actually have a goal to work mm-hmm. on social goals. The child is receiving social emotional counseling because they have severe anxiety mm-hmm. and the team has a goal to say, well, because academically she's okay. Right. Even though she's a twice exceptional child, she right. is someone who, is able to compensate because she's only, she's a young kid, able to compensate, the expectations aren't out of control yet. And so, yeah, academically, and just that concept of academics, academics are not, like, academic struggle is not required for an (coughs) SEP eligibility. That's why we have emotional disturbance. We have other health impairment. We have autism. We have all of these eligibility categories that don't require academic regression or lack of progress in academics. But this is something that we get harped on a lot, what is the academics.
0: And I think it, you know, the case law has been pretty clear on, even if you're just making passing grades or passing grade to grade, that doesn't disqualify you from receiving special education services. So that is definitely something. And and I think it's worth even mentioning here, you know, grades can be inflated. You can be working in groups and still passing, especially like in elementary school, right? You know, it's a double-edged sword with grades. We had the teacher in that IEP meeting, sadly, I had warned the parents that she was likely going to flip once we were in the IEP meeting. And she did, you know, and even when mom kind of challenged her a bit, when the teacher said, no, I don't think that she needs any extra help. She doesn't need an IEP. Basically, um, mom was like, she's getting ones on all of her homework. We had a conversation that this last month, she's had ones on all of her homework. And then the teacher's like, yeah, but she's getting some twos and threes too. So she's getting twos and threes, like basically. And it was like, what? Like, oh my God, it was so heartbreaking. Mom was definitely her. And, you know, unfortunately it is something that we see often. And, you know, we really want people to be transparent. We're not trying to give everybody an IEP. I think the educational system can definitely be changed and we can do things a lot differently. That's not the world that we live in. And so then the children that do require this type of special education and related services needs to be something that is provided and not a fight. That's what we're seeing. We feel like it's just such a fight lately and it really doesn't make any sense to us. Right? It is such
1: a fight. And I think too, like, and the reason why we want to do this kind of series is that he, that I recently was at, the team refused to talk about the actual eligibility criteria under the IDEA and California Education Code. Like we had an independent assessment where the assessor went through Mm -hmm. the categories. Yeah. But when the district talked about eligibility, Mm -hmm. they kept talking about all these things that we're saying. They kept talking about her 504 plan and what we can do for that and Mm -hmm. the progress. And they are ignoring Mm -hmm. required conversation, Mm -hmm. the required analysis. And I think too often. And in fact, there was one due process I did several years back where in the district's evaluation, their mm-hmm. analysis, I think it was on other health impairment, the actual language that they had in the assessment about what, what the category was, was completely wrong. It was this made up standard oh, no. that wasn't even what the IDEA <laughs> or CalEds code said. Yeah. And so it was crazy to me. And so that's one thing for a team to have the analysis wrong. But where I'm seeing more often now is mm-hmm. that they're even ignoring that conversation. They're not even mm-hmm. doing analysis. Mm-hmm. They're just saying, well, she's doing okay. So right. this is right. where we want to go and dive a little bit deeper so that you get a context mm-hmm. for what does the law actually say? So when you go to these IEPs, you can bring it back to these codes and say, this is the conversation you should be having. This is the conversation and the analysis that you need to be having <clears throat> to determine if a child's eligible.
0: And with that, you know, I think if we're looking at the eligibility criteria here in California, it's section 3030 eligibility criteria, right? We're going to end this episode with a reading of it. It's really legalese. There's a lot of code sections. It's not meant for us to give you this because we want you to go in with the eligibility category. And it's more so on that educational purpose, right? We're attorneys, we're not your attorney. So, you know, the purpose is not to have you go in and just start spewing this. Like, obviously there's interpretation of the law, there's case law and things like that. But this is meant to kind of give you a starting point so that if it sounds wrong, you say, can you show me where in the code that says that? You're not coming in and being like, this is what the code says. Come from that of curiosity, right? People like people that ask questions. I don't think that they necessarily feel good when people are trying to shove things in their face. So that's the purpose of this is is to equip you with knowledge. So A is a child shall qualify as an individual with exceptional needs if the results of the assessment are required by, and it gives another ed code, that demonstrate that the degree of the child's impairment as described in subdivisions B1 through B13, our 13 eligibility categories, right? Which require special education in one or more of the program options authorized by Ed Code section 56361. So there's already like six different Ed Codes that it's like referring you to, right, you guys? The decision as to whether or not the assessment results demonstrate that the degree of the child's impairment Require special education, shall be made by the IEP team, including personnel in accordance to another section code. The IEP team shall take into account all relevant material, which is available on the child. No single score or product of scores shall be used as the sole criteria for the decision of the IEP team as to the child's eligibility for special education. That last line, you guys, is in the code. And we've mm-hmm. had several opposing counsels tell us that that's, they're using a product of scores or one single right. score right. to say yeah. that the child does not
1: qualify. We get that all the time. Well, this standardized test says this. right? does matter. It Look at what matter. the kid is doing in the classroom. Yeah. Whole thing.
0: So please stay tuned to our February series on eligibility. If you have any questions, please send us a message on Instagram, or you can go to our website, inclusiveeducationproject.org, and you can send us a message through there. We are really excited about this series, and we hope that you guys enjoy it. Talk to you next week. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.